Well, what fun, what fun. I'm here uh, in my house today with a very special guest. Well, they're all special, but this one is particularly special for me anyway. Hello to Paul. Hi, Rouge. How are you? I'm I'm very excited that you're here. This time, I'm I'm not really feeding you. Normally, you come round to be I come round for dinner. dinner. There's normally some sort of aperitif <laughs> and then a big main course yeah. and uh, quite a hearty dessert. Yes. This time, it's just tea. Cup of tea with a, with a oh. nice cow mug. Um, it's quite nice that you've come around for tea. You should do that more often. You should just I, drop in. I should. But you're I a very should. busy man. But I'm delighted to be here. I'm really, I'm, I'm really honoured to be asked. Well, one, it's one of the highlights of 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 us as a family having you around. When I told the kids Paul's coming tomorrow, <laughs> because I want to record him. I want him on my podcast. The kids were like, "Really, really?" Now, Mikey was only um, two when he first met you. Yeah. When you started at radio, and we became quite good friends. Precisely. And. Um, you were a young a boy, and I used to say, come round, come round. We all loved your company. Mm. Ricky got on really well with you, and the kids thought you were super cool and still still do. So whenever Paul comes <laughs> round, it's like the highlight of our of our day. I remember so, Mikey being 11, 12, <laughs> yes. and going to bed, and we'd, we'd stay chatting after the kids had gone to bed. I mean, they're, what, they're 16, 17 now, but they were 10, <laughs> 11 at the time. Yeah. And uh, Mikey, at one point, one evening... Uh, asking if I could, um, if I could story, tuck no? him in. I know because, because he felt well. You are like part of our family. I think the children actually see you as part of our family, which mm. is which is. I'm very touched by that. It's lovely, and the other mm. thing which is lovely is that you you were best man at our niece's wedding, Anna. Yeah, you were that's best. True. She married Piers Watson, and mm. Piers and you were very good friends. Which yeah, best is off. another is another whole thing. It's another connection between it's us. Another connection. So yeah. yeah. And you became godfather of Jack. Who is Piers and Anna's, your, your, your nephew. So my yep. great nephew. Your, your, of course, your great nephew. And that makes yes. me feel extremely old, but I'm not going to talk about that. He's lucky to have a, uh, a great aunt as, like uh, as cool as wonder, and as trendy as, as you are. Oh, thank you. I don't know about that, but a winner. <laughs> you know, we're going to have a little chat. You've asked me, like, what are you going to ask me? It's, it's more about... There's a few things I want to know, so I'm going to ask you a few yeah, questions. Of course. But I want to know that, like, your school, your childhood, I don't know much about it. I know you have a brother that you're very close to mm-hmm. and who's now living in Jib, which is really nice for you. Um, how, was, how was life at home? How was, I know you're very close to your mum, Annette. True, yeah. You still Absolutely. are, obviously. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my parents split when I was five or six. Um, I had a happy childhood. Um, I was, I benefited from having an, a, a brother who was nine years older than I was, who had a big influence on me in terms of my hobbies. Um, you know, I, I, I really became a a sports anorak because my brother was a ah. huge football fan, a uh, general sports fan he would let me play football with his friend can you imagine i i i don't real i didn't realize it at the time but now i think back and my brother was 16 17 bringing his seven eight year old brother to play football with his friends not many teenagers no. would do that and he he, he that. did that for me um and, and of we course would, that's where your love for sports started yeah i think through him and my, my brother was a huge influence on my life um in a um, you know, he 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 would finish his homework, studying for his GCSEs, and then we would play football in his bedroom, and he would let me win. <laughs> in and his then bedroom. and then my mother would and get very upset at 9 o'clock at night because all of a sudden Paul was excited when it was bedtime. Yes. <laughs> my brother would get a slap on the wrist. But, um, how, but what a great brother! I had no idea your brother was so involved in your when you were little. Absolutely, very involved in my upbringing. And I think because he was, my brother was, I think, 13, 14 when my dad left. Yeah. And I was four, five, six. I can't remember exactly. Mm. There was a role that he occupied. 
Um, mm. Especially as my dad spent the, almost all of his time and has done since the early 90s living in, in, in Spain. Um, and my, my brother assumed this ex, this, this position of extreme importance in my life. And um, I, I, and that's how it remains to this day. You know, we've and never fallen out. There's no risk of us ever falling out. And um, that's you know, wonderful I've always her. felt that there was a need, not that he would ever make me feel that I owed him anything, yeah. but there's there's a repayment that I try to make Yes. Now that we're both adults. Yeah. And now, and he's lived away because he, he lived in, in England for a long time. I remember you used to go because he, he had a boy, Joey, and yeah. then he had twin girls. Twin and I girls, remember when yeah. the twin girls were little and you used to love going yeah. um, to see the children. Yeah. And and now he's moved back to Jib. And now he's moved back. The children live in England with their mother. He's divorced. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, certainly in the last two years, I've not seen the children as much as you'd like. But yeah, but with COVID and all that as well, I guess not, it's been hard. It's not so easy to mm. get over. And um, and also my work commitments nowadays are a bit less flexible than, the, than maybe they used to be. But, but lovely to have your brother living in Jib nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously as my mum gets older, you know, uh, there's an element of, of support and one feels reassured that, yeah. you know, you can both be around to look after her. As she gets older, I mean, she's only 63, no, but, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely, no, it's, it's, it's the same with it's, me. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, we, we've got we've got each other and the, the day that she needs more support, you're there. We're both around, so. That's great. And um, you went off to university. Now, I don't, I don't think I remember what degree you did to begin with. I did history. Oh, I, you did I, history? Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those degrees that you do not knowing exactly where your life is going to go. No, I think you yeah. get, you get, you, I, I, was, I used to love school. And for me, um, my A-levels became a, an obsession, almost really? an unhealthy obsession, insofar as I was absolutely um, convinced or I, uh, certainly told myself that anything less than straight A's would be a, would be a failure. Wasn't that and like I, a massive pressure on you? Yeah. And I remember the day, the day that my grades came out, yeah. I went late because I didn't want to be around any of my friends had I failed in that, in that, in that uh, aim. So I deliberately went late. Everybody got their results. I could barely open the envelope, Gosh. got the results. And my initial feeling was simply one of relief. It wasn't even one of joy. Um, <laughs> and I remember Miss Baravish from, from yeah. Bayside sort of hugging me and saying, well done. And, and I said that, Miss, I just feel relief. I don't think she could really understand what I was talking <laughs> about. And I remember that evening going out with your friend and you think you're going to get absolutely smashed. Mm. But it got to about 11, 11.30. This is so sad. <laughs> I, I mean, sad in a, not yeah, in a boohoo yeah. kind of way, but no. I, que, que, que penco, que no? Penco. 11.30 at night thinking, God, I, I went home. Because it was that weight. Off but it was, it was not because it, my mum or my parents or anyone at school piled that on me. I piled that on myself. And, um, why? Why but, did you do um, that to yourself? But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's continued to this day. You, oh, really? You, 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 you set yourself tasks and yeah, you have to. Precisely, yeah. And I almost convince myself that other people expect that of me. Well, the reality is that I'm the one who's expecting it first and foremost. Of yourself? Yeah. Gosh. What and that pressure. can be a... Uh, can work both ways. It can work both ways. It can mm. really spur you on, mm. but it can be a, mm. a real curse. Um, and it can cause you to be very hard on yourself. But So how did you get through uni? I mean, that was a lot of pressure just for your A-levels. Compared to university, the A-levels were much harder, is what I mean to say. I would, Do you I would find that? that? Yeah, university, I took my foot off the pedal. For you sure. Did? And also because, actually, during university, I found my niche. Um, I was taken, I got involved in university radio, 
the university okay. newspaper. Yeah. I was given a summer placement at BBC Radio Nottingham. Wow. Between my second and my third year. And I was kept on to work at weekends on a, on a programme called Match Day, which was a five-hour live programme covering Nottingham Forest, Notts County, the ice, the ice hockey, the rugby. And at that point, I was writing for BBC Online. And I thought, OK, this is what I want to do. So history at that point became secondary. It was a case of, look, I just need to get my 2-1. I can scrape it if I need to, mm. but media is where I want to go. Um, so you knew then that that's really what you liked. Yeah, and actually I think I always knew because as a child I was fascinated by radio commentary or or I would watch an, a sports event like the Grand National or I remember Lennox Lewis versus Frank Bruno in the boxing or a particular FA Cup final and the broadcasting of it, the commentary was as fascinating to me as watching the event unfold. It's like, God, that is, it's an art form. Mm. And I just wanted to replicate it. But you didn't study media, I mean. No, I didn't because, uh, and I. <laughs> you like the history, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also, I don't mean this as a slur on anybody who did yeah. study media, but I thought that maybe the best way to get into it eventually would be classic degree from a classic university, take advantage of the good grades I got at A-level. Yeah. Um, and then if I wanted to do a master's in broadcasting or whatever, then I could do that. Um, but then GBC presented me with an opportunity and mm. I, I jumped okay. on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when we met because I was presenting. I remember at the time I was covering the afternoon show. I don't know who was off or, and I was doing several afternoon shows and you started and they put you in to sit and listen to what I was doing yeah. for, for, for a while at the beginning. <laughs> and I thought, oh, he's good. He's probably better than me, <laughs> which you probably are quite a lot. Um, but we just got on very well and we, um, we had quite a lot of fun. Um, I loved radio presenting and you just, your your career really in the media just took off completely once you were let loose because mm. um, they you kind of invid- you, you kind of sit in until they think you're ready to go and then once you were yeah. gone, that was it. There was no stopping you. You record a few sort of pilot programs, I think. Yes, no? that is quite, uh, it's and they, quite they, an experience. They kind of give you some feedback and yeah. they, they try and give you some pointers. Yeah. And then eventually they let you loose. But you, you're never yeah. quite ready for that first day. No, but that I went on. First, yes, it's always really nerve-wracking, I remember. It's very uh, scary. It is very scary. I remember yeah. I could feel my pulse in my neck, like boom, boom, boom. And You were sat in with me on my first live programme. You were my sort of my shadow. I really, I can't remember. My me- I've got a terrible memory. I had to sit in with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? And, um, Did something happen? I, uh, what happened? <laughs> I think two things happened. One, we did like a, um, you know, a, a, there was a guy called Sam Sparrow. Yes. Who was a singer. And he was like Australian father, New Zealand mother, British citizenship. And then we decided, that it, I decided that it would be a good idea to to put it out there into the ether mm. and ask people to to call in or whatever. Um Who's the most international person you've ever met? I mean, it's just so interesting. And who did we get? And somebody called saying, no, no, el marroquí que ve en el flat al lado. <laughs> I can't obviously put that on air. Um, and then the other thing we did was the, what I did, there were headlines that had to be read at when you were closing the focus PM hour between six and seven. Mm-hmm. And about 6.59, you had to recap the headlines. Yep. And it emerged later on that I'd done the entire link without switching on my microphone. So all you heard was the... Dead was the, was the, the, well, ba- the bed. The, the backing yes, music. music. The, the boom, 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 yes. boom, boom, boom. Oh, dear. Um, and the, I should have realised that if I was sitting in there with you. Yeah. Yeah, Terrible. yeah, it was all your fault, Rouge, actually. Oof. 
my fault. But they, but they weren't but easy on me. That was your first me. experience on the radio. Yeah, yeah, on and air. I was just and glad it was since, all over. And you loved it, and then you get like a you get like a buzz every time you go on air after mm. that, don't you? Didn't you feel it was just? Yeah, it was only when I stopped getting it that I realized I needed to move on. I mean, we'll, well come well, to that bit, eventually. We'll come to that. We'll come but, to that. Um, Tell me what you what did you get from it? What did you? What was your first impression of presenting? Of of you know having a show. What show was the first you did? I was completely made up. Uh, uh, the first one I did was was, was, was a midweek afternoon where, yes. where you the, the one where you were sitting in. Yeah, because it wasn't a permanent uh, afternoon right. presenter at That's the time, right. so yeah. we we were sharing it. But the 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 first sort of uh, weekly program was the um, the Elliot uh, the Elliot the, the O'Callaghan Elliot, Elliot Hotel afternoon show yeah. on a Saturday. The only one who can say that without failing is you know who our friend George Dubois. George Dubois. He yeah. can he can. Say that completely fluently. Yeah. Without a mumble like that. Yeah. <laughs> and that was four to six on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, ah. And then other opportunities came along. Eventually, yeah, I think after after two or three months, I was I was asked to do the afternoon program during the during the week more regularly. Um, I think people started to just catch on and really enjoy. I think you were very different, very quirky and witty. Your sense of humour is a bit different, I think. Yeah. A bit, a, a bit darker, maybe, maybe than I went your too, average. Yeah. At times I went a bit too far. But I mean, My stories were a bit long. Oh, yeah? Listening You're told back, off about yeah. things like that. You can't go on for more than a minute and a half, isn't it? Or See, I, can't I, remember. I, I think but, on occasions it was like two, three minute stories. And at the time, Mina, you're young, you're um, you're energetic. You you want to get yourself out there. You want to build a, a, a respect, and occasionally you can just go a little bit too far and be a bit too self indulgent. And I was a bit self indulgent at so? times. Yeah, yeah, I would say if I'm being hypercritical, I would say that. But look, you 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 learn. Did you become from a bit your... enteral? Is that what you're saying? No, I just thought that I was so intent on presenting myself as this really professional yeah. kind of um, intelligent presenter yeah. that maybe you on occasions lost of, yeah. I lost a little bit of mm. here and now. But mm. I, I do also think that as I was, because I used to spend so much time listening back to myself. Oh, really? Yeah, almost obsessively. No, I never Yeah, did. I'd record well, the program and go gosh. back to all the speech parts and be like, okay, that worked, that didn't, like that could be improved or tweaked. Amazing. So I developed a self-awareness quite quickly and I corrected myself. But, what, what did you like the most about it in those days? Um, about the radio or yeah, GBC the, generally? Well, just working on radio, because do you prefer that to television or...? Depends what kind of television. So GBC News, I didn't enjoy at all. I didn't enjoy doing Newswatch. Mm. Um, I just felt that, you know, you, you'd come in, you'd read the scripts, mm. you'd familiarise. Yeah, you might have a live interview every now and then, and that made it more in, more interesting. But reading off the autocue, it just wasn't really my, yeah. you know, it, it, it was another source of income because essentially you're my, 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 as a freelancer, you had three or four different revenue streams yeah. and you just try to make it, yeah. make of it but what you can. What so. happens at GBC is if you're good and they, and they like you, the powers that be like you, then mm. you get involved in everything. You get to do everything. I yeah. think, um, and that's a little bit what happened to you because from from radio you went to Newswatch, then you were doing all the sports reporting, then mm. you started doing TV programs, yeah. um, and then in the end you were hosting news shows yourself and all the rest. It was so. I mean, I, the whole thing. And I remember you yeah. working weekends, not seven days a week. Yeah, no, it was super varied. Yeah, I couldn't say no. I couldn't. I, I <laughs> see. I I just could not. Turn anything down. No, I was so I was so intent on on making uh, an impression and and getting myself out there. But get, even like even like 
but there was a fearlessness at the time that I wouldn't have now. And I think it's obviously as you get older and with the benefit yeah, you, of maturity, you become a bit more scared because you, you've seen what the pitfalls are. No? But at the time, honestly, I, I, yeah, I was so fearless. I wish I could go back to that in a sense. I wish I could mm. have that same bravado of a 24, 23, 24-year-old me, but that... Look, that's just a different chapter of life, no? Yeah. But look, I threw myself, myself in at the deep end and for and the most part it, it works. And you ended up doing The Breakfast Show, I remember that. Um, yeah. Who was co-hosting or were you on your own and then eventually you had someone co-hosting? No. I can't remember. You were on your own. I was on my own. And, and then, then whoever was doing the news hour yeah, would come in with you for a bit. With the news, yeah. no? but and, then, and then I remember... Um, you went off, you suddenly took, decided to go off to England to do some, somebody, you got a radio job in England or? Yeah, I took a sabbatical. You decided, a, that's it. Got a, my mum's first, my mum's my first cousin. Mm. Very successful radio DJ, especially in the north of England. Worked and was still works for the modern day incarnation of a, of a very famous station called Key 103. Yeah. Which was the, the breeding ground for Chris Evans and many, many others. And he had a listenership of uh, 200,000 people a day. Gosh, where's yeah. that? In Manchester. In Manchester, yeah. A guy called Mike Toulon. Um, somebody, some people might know his mother, Olga, Olga Guerrero. Claro, Olga's your aunt. My great aunt. Your great aunt. She's 90 now. Is she? Mm. Gosh. And uh, Joie de Vivre. Still... <laughs> yes. Incredible. Incredible. And all Incredible. her marbles and everything. Oh, marbles completely, uh, yeah, 100% compass mint. Like, she's pheno a phenomenal woman. Wow. Uh, and was always very fun, very yeah. uh, very charismatic. And that translated into her, her son, who had a wonderful, worked on Capital Radio with Chris Tarrant. Amazing. Yeah, really a sparkling career. And he, I worked with him for six months. Uh, helping with production and I really learned a lot. The, the sad thing for me was when I came back, I had an expectation that I was going to be back on The Breakfast Show yeah. and I, I wasn't. It was I, passed on to Ben Lynch yeah. and Jared Thilmer took the decision and look, Ben then stayed on for another 10 years. So clearly it was, in hindsight, the right decision. But I felt very hard done by because I felt that I'd gone away and not been paid and gone sabbatical and tried to assume all this information and knowledge to make the breakfast show what I felt it could be and didn't in the end ever get the opportunity of doing it again and, and, and I that, do I do see why they did that though I suppose because you went off and then he took over yeah and then maybe they felt bad taking it away from him to give it back to you yeah I, I think no? that's reasonable and look he stood oh, yeah. the, he stood the test of time yeah, I mean yeah, look absolutely. I Ten can't years. argue with that incredible but oh, for me, it yeah, was... Yeah, you felt really hard done by, yeah, I get yeah. that. I and get in that. a sense, maybe and that's when I... Started thinking maybe. Maybe I should move on. Or mm. maybe, not move on, but the, the... How do you put it? Maybe the same drive and passion wasn't quite the same when mm. you've had a bit of a shaku, maybe. No, and I, I felt like I was going back to the afternoon show, which is where I'd started five, mm. six years earlier and yeah, didn't have you'd the same. obviously gone to England, learnt all these new skills... And you wanted to, and, and really the breakfast show is probably the flagship show of the radio. No? That's the mecca, really, no? That's the one That's with the biggest say. audience and the most yeah. engagement. So, and that already put that, it, it put that idea in your head that maybe this wasn't for you or that you wanted to change career again or? In a way, I think. A little bit. Yeah, it was a bit of a dampener, no? And yeah. then your mind takes you to certain places. And look, I suppose as a segue into the law, um, I would say that there was, I used to enjoy researching 
programs like Viewpoint, where there was a socio-political or socio-legal angle, mm. getting into the books, speaking to lawyers or politicians, or, or, or really getting into the granular detail of hot topics or social uh, topics. And I missed that, no? Paul, one thing I wanted to ask you is, um, why did you leave GBC at that specific moment um, when, you, when you decided that you were going to just up and go? I think uh, I had had it in my mind to, to become a lawyer for a while. My personal circumstances didn't align. I was in a long-term relationship. I was thought that I, that was me, done, no? mm. on a personal level. Mm. And then circumstances change and you you find yourself only considering what's best for you and not having not that feeling the pressure to consider the other person. Mm. Um and now I now looking back I realize that I was wrong to do that. I should have if I if that was what was going to make me happy and what my personal sense of uh my future was, I yeah. should have done it regardless. And if your personal circumstances change as a result of the decision that you've made, then wasn't meant to be, no? Mm. But I should have been a bit truer to myself and not have not just waited and meandered around and just allowed circumstances to to change and then me make that decision and take that step i should have um i should have um i should have been a bit more bold with the mm. decision but look in the fullness of time was it the right decision i got there yeah i think i think it was absolutely yeah in all, in, in, in all and i don't mean any disrespect to anybody but in all senses i think things worked out the, for should. the best for everybody um, and in the fullness of time you get to where you need to get to but I should have maybe been a bit more bold but that's what it was Okay, at one point I thought that you might want to join politics I mean, I because I knew you weren't that, that happy there at that at certain point and, um, and I thought maybe he wants to go off and do politics is that something that you would consider? I get that question now and I, I, people, I think people have joined the dots themselves Yeah and they're like, you know, Paul must have gone to become a lawyer because actually he most must. politicians are lawyers. And therefore, Quadra, okay, the next step will be. Um, and I understand I'm flattered by that. Um, and, and I think in many senses, on paper, I've got some of the skills which could lend themselves to, you know, in terms of obviously the knowledge of the law and knowledge of the community through the radio side and a, a, a degree of communication ability. Mm-hmm. But would you do it? I don't. You know what? I just don't. I don't align myself with, I have an issue with uh, political groupings. I view myself as a little bit of a polemicist on politi- on political issues. I would find it difficult, and I don't mean this in a, in a self-aggrandizing or egocentric way at all. It's just that I find collective ideology um, quite dangerous. And I understand that that's what party politics is. It, it, it astounds me that you have so many developed Western democracies that with only two viable options um, when we're, we're individuals, you know, and yeah. I think everything has to be brought down to the level of the individual. And I I can't reconcile that with joining a political party where inevitably I'm yeah. going to have to betray what I truly think. Mm. And, you know, Gandhi said, when you're, you're happy, when what you think, say and do is aligned. And I think if I join politics in the way that politics is at the moment, no. yeah. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be happy. Yeah. So, yeah. Hi, it's Hexar Garda from Fitness TMB. We work with men and women over 40 to get fit, lose fat, get energised and develop a powerful mindset. 
You can accomplish this by implementing significant changes in your habits and routines, such as optimizing nutrition and mastering your sleep. I have created for the over 40s the RRE method, recondition, recharge and energize. It's a 13-week program that will enable you to find gratification in your fitness journey, as well as positively shifting your mindset and well-being. You can get in touch at heck at fitnesstmb.com or visit fitnesstmb.com. I've just been trawling through your Facebook, by the way. Um, <laughs> you didn't see the one of the dress of the policewoman? No, I haven't seen a... that one. I've seen you looking like David Bowie, where, they, yeah, where you did that yeah, yeah. skit on the on the GBC Open Day, yeah, where they did yeah. like a pink triangle on your face or something. <laughs> yeah, and then I looked all around, I saw lots of pictures, and loads of them are all about you leaving and how sad everybody was that you left. Yeah. I mean, even Jackie Caetano writes, I can't believe you're going. I'm so sad <laughs> her, her, on her own. And then loads of pictures with everybody at GBC. I mean, I think the day you said you were leaving and it came out as news and everything. Yeah. Presenter Paul Grant is leaving GBC to for a new <laughs> career. I mean, it was just like a big thing. It was you a were bit quite of a, a personality. Yeah. At that point. I think what I what I what what I did when I was at G I used to launch myself into situations. And I, the open day was an example, no? You I loved the open day. For me it was like, well, you know, we need to set the standard in terms of effort that the that the community needs to follow. You know, we're yeah. expecting people to go out there and start doing all these fundraising events when we're the ones that need to go and push the envelope. So there was the 24-hour radio marathon, which was uh, a, a really proud moment looking back, you, actually. And yes. you were there. You were there at the at the finish I, line, yes. And which I'm I'm still Such to this fun. day really grateful for. By the way, um, you did it all night. All yeah, 24, 24 hours straight broadcasting. That was fun yeah, because it was televised, so we could see you. That's right. Yeah, See, there, there was like a little camera everywhere. I mean, also like a camera, like Alan Guerrero, <laughs> someone in the corner of the studio. Yeah, and it was just focused on you. And we had, you had people throughout yeah. the day popping in, and people coming in at and three o'clock in the morning after food, a night out. And we, we, it was, yes. yeah. And then you came in at about yeah. seven in the morning. But right. uh, pizza boxes all over the place and chocolate wrappers. But you raised something incredible, didn't you? It was, it was, it was. It was. I still felt that we could have raised more. Maybe the marketing mm. of it wasn't, but we raised a few thousand and there was a great video produced for the open day night program mm. that must be lying around somewhere. Um, and I, I loved the open. I loved the, 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 the sense of reaching out to the community. And it, it was the one chance in the year where you could genuinely have fun. Yeah. As a presenter. Yeah. Great. No? great fun. Y la verdad que what I, what, what I still sense today is that people remember me for the things I did on the open day. And thinking, really? you know, this, this do they was... stop you in the street? Do people stop you and say, "Why aren't you? Good? Don't you come back? Why don't yeah. you?" They say things like that too. Yeah, some people think I'm still there. Yes, I know. It's funny. <laughs> they think I'm still there too. <laughs> no, can I? Can I, I understand that you've moved behind the scenes. No, no, I haven't. I just left. <laughs> <laughs> Pero... would, would you go back? Would you like to be back in um, broadcasting? There are times when I miss it. Yeah. There are times when you hear a really good piece of radio and you think, wow, it'd be good to try and replicate that. No, or, mm. or like uh, football commentary, something I missed. That was a really big, uh, oh, a huge was, privilege. Because FIFA, you were commenting for FIFA, were you? Yeah, I remember. When they started About the a FIFA? week before yeah. the first UEFA game against Slovenia, 2000, November 2013, Gerard Deuma and Paula Latin came into my radio studio. I was live at the time and they said, mira, um, uh, and I thought, goodness, got head of TV. 
and the CEO have come into my office at about 10 to 7. What have I what said have I on the what radio? Have I done wrong? <laughs> yes, you always kind of feel that. And they said, look, we're, we're mm-hmm. gonna, we want to do the live commentary. Would you like to do it? I was seven, eight years old playing Cebuteo on my own in my mother's lounge doing commentary for myself while I was playing Cebuteo. Imagine when How they said, are you? exactly. But imagine when they said, do you want to do the commentary for Gibraltar versus Slovenia, a full UEFA game? You can imagine the reaction. With other people listening or just for oh, GBC. I'm not sure if it went beyond Jib, well, but even still, so, no? The FIFA, the first FIFA game, I remember that first FIFA game. Yeah. It was quite a thing. And imagine then going to Portugal. So you said yes without having a clue how to put one. You'd heard it before and you'd done it with your Subuteo. So, exactly. So you thought, well, if is good enough for me, I can do it for FIFA. Claro. And imagine then the 18 months later, or whenever it was, going to, um, to Faro, doing Gibraltar versus Germany. Wow. And Germany having won the World Cup the year before. I mean, it was, wow, for me, it was it was a, 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 a pinch myself moment, no? And, and to this day, I'm immensely proud. I did, I did make one grave error, which my friends still pick me up on. <laughs> really? Which was, yeah, it was Gibraltar versus Estonia, in Estonia. And we were watching off the television feed. Yeah. Because we were in Jib. We were yeah. watching what you were seeing on TV. Yeah. And anyway, a chance went by. Cassiaro, oh, and he goes to the far post and he misses. I look down at my notes because you're full of notes and bits of research that you've done. Oh, this guy plays for this team in the Cypriot League or whatever. Mm. And then I look up. And Cassiaro threw on goal again. <laughs> and I commentate on it as if it were live. And then my co-commentator says, no, no, that's just the replay. Oh. <laughs> and to this day, oh, I've got friends who remind me of and the time what... that I thought the replay was that was live action. And how did you get out of it? Uh, I don't, th- I think, I think <laughs> I just, just tried to laugh it off, no? Yeah. <laughs> you can dig yourself a hole otherwise. Mira, how on earth Pero... do you know when you're commenting on a team? I mean, the, the Gibraltar players, fair enough, you probably know, but a lot. The other teams, primero, the surnames are probably unpronounceable. And secondly, how do you know who's doing what? Do you mention the other? Because I remember listening to you thinking, how on earth does he do it? It's quite a skill. Yeah. To it is. know... You must really, I mean, Germany, okay, you may know the team really well if you mm. follow international football, but a team like Slovakia or Slovenia? Pff, Imagine no? Georgia, <laughs> where not, not one of the players has a surname of less than about 12 letters. It was Como, literally... I mean, it's really uh, hard. Kizanishvili to Aveladze to... I think on one occasion or one or two occasions, it's like yeah, num- num- number 10 is on the ball. I mean, look. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Oh, my God. But it is an art what form. What fun, what fun, Paul. What, what a buzz man. for you oh, at a young age, because you're still young, uh, to do all those things. Really yeah. young, because you were, what, in your late 20s? It no? was the whole of my 20s. Tw- yeah. You see 20s. the whole of my 20s, yeah. And, and the Mr. Bralters, let's not I forget. I went, I went, I went. I've got experience with that as well, eh? I've had one Mr. Bralter, but you had quite a lot. You presented with, with lots of... People in your with Jonathan, no, you presented Jonathan Scott and one with Christian. I did and two. With Christian, exactly. Yeah. With your suits, I remember that I was a, fun. I had one very uh, in the Queen cinema. Shiny didn't you suit. do one? I remember the very shiny suit. It was very shiny. Yes, it was, it was almost reflective. What, what of all these events that you've done, which has been your favorite, or, or the one where you've had the most fun? Miss Jib is great yeah, fun. fun because it's a really highly produced show. Um. And Christian is a good producer yeah. and very rigorous. And you go to the you go to the um, rehearsals. E, the rehearsals, and you know you it's 
it's really good to be an an in, in a, an investor show where where money goes into it. That's cool, no? And you know that everyone is watching. It's yeah. an adrenaline rush. The poet. I remember I anchored one of the European election live broadcasts. For, it was a four or five. That was, you know, you're 27, 28. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, and I did National Day live two or three times. And you've got Baroness Hale or Lindsay Hoyle. Yeah. And you're like, you know, sometimes I look back and I think, goodness, I was done so this much. kid. Yeah. And I just, um, I didn't really think about my age at the time i would think now maybe and again not in a self-aggrandizing way but if i saw a 26 27 year old kid i'd think wow that's a good piece of broadcasting whatever but you know as usual as typical in my life anyway i i don't tend to give myself credit for much it's only now in hindsight that i think think, i'm relatively proud of that so do you think life is better for you now or you it's different because you're working, you're, what you're doing is completely different. <clears throat> yeah. But are you, are you enjoying it just as much? Are you still putting that incredible pressure on yourself now? I am, yeah, yeah. Uh, but sometimes in law, I think that's the only way to, especially in litigation, where they, there's always deadline demands and litigation really is all out warfare on paper and in court. And um, Does it give you the same buzz? It's different. I almost view my life in completely different chapters. I, in some ways, I... You're so involved in your work and your cases and, 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 and areas of law and your clients and your emails and your court appearances that I, at times, have to remind myself that in many ways I was a completely different person. Um, maybe I used to laugh more. Maybe I used to feel uh, freer when I was at home or at the weekends. And I, I probably certainly was, you know, mm. and... and um, my mind was able to go to places because I had the time and the spe- the, the headspace for my mind to go to creative places that I, I, I just can't get to now. Yeah. The challenge facing me at the moment is that I need to tap into that creative side because it's part of my makeup. Or who you are. Uh, and the longer I don't, ultimately it's not going to make me happy. Yeah. So I need to become au fait and comfortable enough with my life as a lawyer and be able to compartmentalize that, but then also tap into my creative side in some form or another. And then once I do that, and how are you I'll be da- are you happy, looking? much happier. Not are that you, I'm not happy, but no. Are you trying to do that? Are you are you finding ways to get there? I'm trying. You got to force yourself. Yeah. But I think you know I've got a few things in mind. It's just finding the right time, you know. And mm. um, I've also just moved firm, and you know the the, the work is is different. Um, uh, the, we've got different complexities. I work for Signature Litigation, which is a uh, deals with with more high level commercial litigation work, tr- trust dispute work. Um, mm, quite uh, technical. Quite so. yeah, and you've really got to learn your way around it and mm. navigate things. Not just in terms of le- knowing what's in the textbooks, but understanding strategy, uh, uh, managing client expectations. Yeah. And um and you're still putting the pressure on yourself, so <coughs> Yeah, I don't think that's ever gonna no, go away, no? But that's I mean part I, of you now. By the same yeah. token, maybe if I hadn't done that I'd be But everything happens for a reason, know. Paul. Yeah. So you're meant to be where you're meant to be. Yeah. And let's see where you go next. But I'm gonna ask you something completely random now. Well, yeah, there's a couple of, of random questions. Yeah. The first one is if you had a, a song choice that's gone through life with you, 
something that you've really, um, like when you felt down or felt a bit lost, you've put it on and it's brought you back to that place that you want to be at? Um, wow, that's a really difficult question, especially as somebody <laughs> who's spent part of his life yeah. playing music for a living, no? Yeah. Um, maybe maybe there's not there's just a one. There's a very personal song mm. to me and it's... Uh, and it's a, it's by a band called Travis, and it's a song called Driftwood, and it's a bit it's a bit melancholic, no? Mm. Uh, it's not like a you know mm. it's not going to get you kind of yeah. like uh, <laughs> singing in the shower. Pero my point being, <coughs> there's somebody in my life. I'm not going to. Uh, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't be proper to disclose that yeah. at this certainly at, at this point while they're still alive, um, but who that song in my mind really applies to. Yeah. And it's somebody who had, has maybe a, a lot of innate ability and talent and who just was one of those stories of somebody who didn't harness it and maximize what they could have, you know, the skills that they really had, you know, mm. and, and make a really successful life for themselves and for those around them. Mm. And as a result of that, then there's been a lot of hurt caused and 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 things like that, you know. And that song really is um, it's it's about somebody who's drifting through life like a piece of driftwood and just not really taking the opportunities when they come. And one last thing, yeah. you have to describe me in three words. <laughs> Goodness, <clears throat> I would say. Mm -hmm. Effervescent, I think that's mm. you probably had that before, no? No, I haven't. I've had fluorescent from my daughter <laughs> because I wear these red boots. <laughs> she said, Mom, I think you're fluorescent. <laughs> I didn't quite know how to take it, but why not? Effervescent is, is a nice Effer like champagne, no? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 you know what? Is Actually, not many people are effervescent. I no, well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. For me personally, because you know, you and your family have been so good to me. And taken me in as part of the and had me around so many times. And uh, it, for me, you're just an extremely kind person. Oh, we've enjoyed every minute of that. Yeah. And I really do appreciate that. And the fact that 13, 14 years later, we're, we're here now here. having tea. I mean, yeah. it's uh, an indication that uh, it's, I think it's gone quite well, no? It has. Yeah. Gone to sure. Ricky. Gone to Ricky. <laughs> Who laughs with you more than he laughs with me? He, we, okay, we all, it's true, we all really look forward to you coming. El Nino, sobre todo, he's, today he's got a bit of a cold. He hasn't got the COVID, but. No, I told him to stay about three meters so, away. Know, if he stay because he's coughing and spluttering is like a shower around everyone. He needs a haircut, though, eh? He had one on Friday. He had one on Friday? Yes. Oof. A kitai, he's got the afro. He could, he he's could braid it if he wanted in, to. I know. And the third word, no? And the third word. So far, they're good. Effervescent. Good. Kind. Kind. Yeah. And very alert. I would say that you're the kind of person, and this is something that I wish I had more of myself. I feel that you're very alert to what's going on in the present moment and what, what your surroundings are and, 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 and where you're placed in any given moment. Ooh, that's, um, that's a nice one. And that's something that I mm. sometimes... Since I became a lawyer, lawyers walk down Main Street looking at the ground because they're thinking mm. about the next email they need to send. Um, but I wish I had that that kind of maybe alert, alertness slash. Yeah, I know it's not one wise, word, but living wise, living yeah. in the moment. Mm. Okay. Presence. 
Great. Bueno. So, well, yeah, that's what I think. Very good. <laughs> We're done. Didn't, it wasn't so bad, was it? We've been talking for quite a long time. All right. 38 minutes. Oh, my goodness. But now, Paul, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for coming. No, anytime. And, uh, yeah. I hope you enjoy it when you listen to it. I, I love, love doing it. <laughs> You've been listening to season one of On the Sofa with Rouge, where I've chatted to many different extraordinary, ordinary people. Season two is already in the making and is called Women Rising. I'll be talking exclusively to women, extraordinary women, inspirational women, about their lives and their loves, their struggles and their successes, and their emotional journeys. Don't miss it, coming to you soon on your favourite listening platform. Thanks always to my producer, Charlie Hurst. You can catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And also a big thanks to Beatrice Garcia for designing and painting the podcast icon. You can catch her at beatricegarcia.com.